0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And when we're recording this, we are one day away. From the Rio Games, the 2016 Summer Olympics. So exciting. I actually, you know, I, I'm
1: I've never been a sports fan. I'm just gonna go ahead and am out so surprised. myself. I know. <laughs> Shocker. You wipe that look off your face, Conger. Uh, I'm
0: smiling. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Um but I I do love the excitement. And the community feeling and the electricity that comes from watching the Olympics. Um, well, hopefully not electricity anywhere near the swimmers, but electricity in your bones, the feeling that you get watching all of these people, these patriotic athletes competing to win the gold.
0: Yeah. And this year I'm going to be watching boxing. And I'll tell you what, Caroline, I never watch boxing. <laughs> Ever. It makes me uncomfortable yeah. to watch a professional boxing match. I don't like it. It mm-hmm. makes me nervous that they're somehow going to like jump through the TV screen and like break my coffee table. So you're not a fan of conflict. I get it. It's true, but I am a huge fan of the USA middleweight favorite Claressa Shields. Oh, she's got a great story. She's amazing.
1: I was just telling Kristen before we came into the studio that I would watch the movie of Clarissa Shields from Flint, Michigan, training with her coach, Billy Walsh, who's this Irish dude who's molded all of these really successful amateur teams. And he and Clarissa Totally butted heads. There's this great article that we read about, you know, Clarissa being successful and the top of her game and also incredibly hard headed. And here comes this new coach of hers, you know, telling her how to improve. and And she just...
0: They were not seeing eye to eye. Yeah, but they worked through their conflict and are now uh, a really well-oiled machine. And I love in that NBC article that Clarissa said, you know, it turned out that he had some things to teach me <laughs> and I've got some things to teach him. Yeah. And just for a little background, uh, in 2012 we were talking about Claressa Shields on Stuff Mom Never Told You because the London Olympics was the first time that women's boxing was an event. And Claressa Shields was 17 years old at the time and – she brought home the gold. Yeah, she did. She made history. She did make history. And at
1: 21, she is still a fierce fighter. Uh, We read an article about her in the Denver Post, and they wrote, No U.S. amateur is more important than Shields, who built on her teenage dominance in London with two world championships and a Pan Am Games gold. And... They write, now she's a smooth 21-year-old team leader with major endorsement deals. And it might seem like not a huge deal or a huge thing to note that she has endorsement deals, but actually, that's pretty important to bring up.
0: Yeah, so there is a PBS Independent Lens documentary uh, on Clarissa Shields called T-Rex, Her Fight for the Gold, which I highly recommend watching, um, it's actually available to stream for free on the PBS site throughout August 2016. Um, and it traces how she went from being an 11 year old kid in Flint, Michigan, which if you're not familiar, Flint, Michigan is just destitute. In a lot of ways, um, a lot of factory jobs have just evaporated, completely evaporated. Of course, there's a the whole uh, water issue um, that's been a major um, issue in the political campaign here in the U.S. Um, and it's just a bad situation all around. And for Shields, her father was imprisoned. Her mother has had addiction issues off and on. And at 11, she shows up to this boxing gym in Flint and the coach there Jason Crutchfield who ended up being her first coach spotted her talent and so he kind of took her under his wing but Crutchfield had no idea that Shields would get as far as she had because he said that he didn't agree with female boxing at the time but which she- is a, a pretty common thing that you hear from
1: a lot of people in the sports world
0: oh yeah i mean and and that's really what this episode that we're going to play from 2012 is focused on is why it's taken so long for women's amateur boxing to get into the Olympics. And, and the reasons, you know, the basic reasons aren't that surprising. Women punching other women violates like all feminine gender norms.
1: Yeah. I mean, think about, you know, you just mentioned being uncomfortable watching boxing in general, like think about people like uh, Jason Crutchfield from earlier, or just think about your average sports viewer. I'm sure a lot of people are very uncomfortable with watching two women essentially
0: just beat each other about the face a whole bunch. Well, and watching Shields' story unfold in the T-Rex documentary uh, it makes me want to watch her, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> punch other women <laughs> because, uh I mean, the, again, her background is... Just so incredible. I mean, she really is living the American dream. Not to get cliche about it, but it's true. Yeah.
1: And I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, wanting to watch her punch other women in the face. And it was, you know, I, I mentioned her endorsement deals a second ago. And it, it is that very public, open and almost gleeful discussion of being able to so successfully punch other women in the face <laughs> that made people tr- Tell Clarissa that she needed to perhaps tone her bravado down a little bit if she did want to secure those deals.
0: Yeah, because after she won the gold in London, she comes back to Flint. She's greeted with a hero's welcome. The local airport was flooded with fans of hers. Uh, she had a whole parade, but she ends up back at home and she's essentially having to support her family and trying to figure out still at 17 years old, how to get through high school, whether she wants to stay amateur and shoot for another gold, or whether she wants to turn pro, and what to do with the kinds of offers that were immediately coming her way. And it was really hard for her at first to kind of wrap her head around the whole what's next because she had been so focused on just getting to London and wanting to get the gold. And after she did, you know, you can kind of see her a little bit deflated of like, OK, I've achieved my dream. Um, I'm not I'm famous, but I'm not rich mm-hmm. and I'm not getting paid the same as male boxers who I am just as good as. And there's this meeting that she has in the documentary with representatives from USA Boxing where, yeah, the rep is like, you know, um, you just uh, you need to stop saying how you know, how much you enjoy beating people up. And the look uh, on Clarissa's face is just like incredulous. And she just sort of shakes her head and says, yeah, I mean, I guess I can reword that. But it frustrates her because, uh, you know, after this meeting is over, she says, it's not about money. It's about getting what you deserve. It's about respecting me being a woman, respect me being black, and respect me as an athlete who represented the United States. Um, and I am glad to see that in the intervening years, she has attracted bigger endorsement deals. Um, but I am so rooting for her to get that second gold, you know, um, because I, I want <laughs> I want everything for, her, for Clarissa. I want her to to achieve her dream, not only of getting that second gold, but also as she talks about wanting to take her family out of Flint yeah, that's all she wants.
1: And even if I mean, I think she's a great figure for girls, younger girls to be aware of, even if those younger girls are not boxing fans or even sports fans, because she is a great example of someone who will not take no for an answer. She's got this great quote where she says uh, they said boxing was a man's sport. That was not the right reason to tell me not to box. In other words, She just sees it as one more thing that she will definitely overcome. It's a driving factor. Oh, you're going to tell me that this
0: isn't for girls? Well, let me show you. I mean, and I'm waiting, too, for her biopic because... Oh, yeah. I mean, it should be... Her her life is, like, reading like a movie at this point. And I just keep imagining her at 11 years old just walking into a boxing gym. Like, comparing, like, myself at 11 (laughs) years old. Like, just how on a very basic level, just how brave that is.
1: Yeah, what was I doing at 11? I was just wearing the pleated shorts that my mother had bought me at JCPenney's and probably still playing by myself in the basement.
0: I'm imagining you shadow boxing in your pleated <laughs> shorts now.
1: Don't forget the sleeveless collared button-up sh- plaid shirt that I wore tucked into them.
0: I love it. <laughs> Do you think, though, that uh the USA team's lightweight Olympic contender Michaela Meyer ever gets tired of always hearing about her middleweight teammate, uh, Clarissa Shields, because they're like the, the only two women who are representing the U S in boxing at the Olympics.
1: Well, my hope is that they support each other. Of course. But always. I mean, yeah, Michaela's uh, got a great story too. She, uh, when she was a teenager, she was struggling in school, wasn't, wasn't buckling down, you know, was kind of hopping around to a couple different schools. And at 17, she walks into a Muay Thai gym, not Mai Thai gym. That's something completely different. That's what I call the bar. <laughs> the Mai Thai gym. <laughs> Your local
0: tiki bar. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, she walked into this Muay Thai gym, starts training, realizes that it's for her, that, that, that this, activity the sport is for her and it actually helps her then buckle down at school and succeed
0: yeah it helps her focus and as soon as she finds out that the 2012 olympics was going to include women's boxing for the first time that became her goal and she didn't make it to london but now she's going to rio but the big question then is for for both michaela and Clarissa after their amateur and Olympic careers are over, can they turn pro? Because there aren't that many opportunities, as you might Mm -hmm. imagine, for female boxers.
1: Yeah, you've basically got to join up with UFC or start competing as an MMA fighter, like a Ronda Rousey, for instance, who did win the bronze in judo in 2012. But again, here we have Clarissa Shields having none of this disinterest in, uh, in women's boxing. She is having none of the lack of opportunities and she was quoted in an NBC article saying, whichever promoter takes on women's boxing is going to be a very wealthy man because that's the issue a lot of times is that it's not that people will never be interested in women's boxing. It's that traditionally, they haven't tuned in. And if promoters can't make money off of something, they're not going to put their money into it. And what you are seeing, though, is with women like Ronda Rousey, who are bringing a lot of attention to mixed martial arts and fighting in general, you are getting more people who are saying, oh, well, this is interesting to watch. I really enjoy watching this. And they're putting their money where they're uh, boxing opinions are i don't i don't know <laughs> where their to... fandom
0: is sure <laughs> well and the thing is it's not just you know ronda rousey who is bringing in huge ratings for the ufc it's pretty much all of their female fights and so these boxers are looking to you know uh ufc and mma saying hey if if they can do it we can do this with boxing or the option is you know they will just Transition into MMA. I mean, you have someone like Michaela who already has a Muay Thai background. Um, and I did like though how Clarissa Shields said, Listen, Ronda Rousey got a bronze. I have a gold. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, come on, people. Well, yeah.
1: And, and well, I think it was even better than that because it was something like, uh, you know, she has a bronze and I have a gold. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's clearly like, there's a little bit of shade there.
0: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, if she, if she can do that at that level, imagine, just imagine what, uh, what I can do. So it'll be interesting to see not only how they perform in the Olympics, fingers crossed, Shields wins her second gold. Um, but also to see what happens afterwards. Cause I have a feeling that Shields at 21, especially if she wins the second gold, will probably turn pro mm-hmm. and go for that. Um, but I don't think that women's Olympic boxing is nearly as controversial this year, in 2016, this, this Summer Olympics, as it was in 2012. And partly because of Clarissa Shields, partly because she was such a sensation. Yeah, and I mean, I, people get used to
1: stuff. I mean, I'm sure there are people this year who especially younger viewers who just probably assume that women's boxing has always been a part of the Olympics. I'm sure there are people out there who take it for granted that women have had to fight uh, to get included in the Olympics.
0: Yeah. I mean Yeah. Thinking about just the fact that, you know, like you said, people get used to stuff. It's like back in the day, people had to get used to women just driving. Yeah. <laughs> Riding in trains. Women voting. <laughs> women running. Uh, I mean, and I mean, women,
1: women wearing pants.
0: We, yeah, women running marathons is relatively new for uh, for the Olympics. Yeah, and it's it, only in the eighties or nineties. And it is funny. Take
1: it from us, Kristen and I have spoken to audiences of, of very young girls and have watched as the looks on their faces turn to shock and awe as we describe the history of. <laughs> Things that they are used to seeing that weren't a possibility a hundred years ago. And so, yeah, I think... But that's good. I think people should be used to women
0: in the Olympics. Absolutely. Um, there are still two primary differences between men's and women's boxing at the Olympics. Uh, mainly, you'll notice that women still wear headgear, although that might change in 2020. Um, and while the dudes fight Three four minute rounds. The women fight four two minute rounds. That's not a lot of time to bring down your opponent to mess somebody up. Oof. But I tell you what, I would not want to go four rounds. Okay. With any of the women who will be fighting in the Olympics, but just imagining going four rounds with Clarissa shields, I would just, I would immediately just get on the floor and ball up. Well, you know, I mean, Boxing's
1: not your thing and that's fine. Maybe you're more of the type of gymnast that uses the
0: ribbons. Oh my god. Did you know that as a child I had a ribbon dancer Caroline and I pretended to be a rhythmic gymnast? Uh I, wait, ribbon dancer
1: as in the thing, the wand thing that The had, wand thing. Yeah. Although I had one. Listeners,
0: uh I made my own. Oh. Nice. It was subpar. <laughs> <laughs> it was really just a branch. <laughs> yeah. The ribbon was too heavy. Um, But, yeah, you are absolutely right. I was all about rhythmic gymnastics. I
1: I, I just said that. I I, didn't realize. It's
0: true. I checked out piles and piles of books from the library. I trained myself to be able to do splits. I was serious about it. This is what you get to do when you're homeschooled. I've never been an individual who can do a split, ever. Anyway. Well, if you go get some books at your library... (laughs) Um, Look at diagrams yeah. and splits. Okay. Just just work on it, you know. <laughs> um, but we are going to be re-airing this episode on the history of women's boxing and, like we said earlier, why it took so long for uh, boxing to become an, a, a women's Olympic sport. Um, and And also just, like, all of these kind of side debates that have popped up. Um, In the meantime, of people wondering, like, should they be required to wear skirts? Probably, for sure. Yeah. And that's skirts. true. And we're not talking about women's boxing in, like, the 1910s. We're talking about women's boxing in, in the 2000s, yeah. wondering about skirts. Can you
1: imagine Clarissa going out there in, like, a tennis outfit?
0: No. 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 Serena Williams, yes, <laughs> <laughs> she can do anything she wants wearing anything. Yeah, we also mentioned people's fears about whether boxing is dangerous for women's boobs,
1: like hitting the boobs.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, getting punched in the boob—it hurts. It does. Have you ever run into a door frame? So many times. Oh, but see, I'm really flat-chested, so usually my knees will hit before my <laughs> boobs do.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I gotta say, I'm sure. It's also not pleasant to to i well i'm
0: I guess I'm glad boxers don't use their knees question mark. I don't know what to say, or that there aren't door fr- doors uh, door frames on boxing, thank God. Uh, in boxing rings. My
1: coordination
0: is so bad. <laughs> well, why don't we travel back in time four years? I know can you believe it? I really can't well,
1: Kristen, like side note. This summer is the fifth anniversary of me joining you on the podcast. Oh, my God. And so it's funny to think that we did this boxing episode four entire years ago. It doesn't feel like that long ago. It
0: does not at all. And I started listening back to the episode expecting us to sound... Like little babies. Like toddlers. Like, welcome to stuff mom never, nope, it sounded exactly the same. <laughs> um, Good. and, uh, now I need to just find out what the traditional five year anniversary gift is. So like pewter or something? <laughs> I gotta get you like some, some pewter headphones. Yeah. Uh, or a microphone to commemorate. My neck. <laughs> it's just worn down. I hope it's paper. I know paper is one of the years. And if it's paper, somebody's getting some Lisa Frank stationery. <gasps> Oh god, just saying. So we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back, we're gonna hop in our podcast time machine and travel back to 2012 to learn some fascinating history about this highly controversial sport of women's boxing.
1: So back in 2009, Kristen, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, made the decision to add women's boxing to this year's London Summer Olympic Games. And before this, it had been the only sport reserved for men. So now we're all equal. Yay, story over. Kind of. Kind. Well, okay, yeah, not really. There actually is a debate raging currently about women's boxing. And basically, should women engage in a sport whose main purpose is to inflict damage on the opponent, and that we might even possibly knock them unconscious?
0: That does not sound very ladylike, Caroline. It sure doesn't.
1: We might sweat.
0: How? What? I know. It shouldn't be allowed. Uh, Well, one one note, though, one historical note... Women have boxed at the Olympics before, one other time, at the 1904 St. Louis Games, which was the first time that men's boxing debuted at the Olympics. Uh, But women's boxing was relegated to a display event.
1: Well, they were actually both display events, but after the display event, they were like, Hey, men, come on. And the women women just just keep being the little sideshow act that you are.
0: Could you go make us some sandwiches?
1: (laughs) Exactly, but it actually it, it has so much more history pa- or beyond uh, 1904. Back in the 1720s, the first staged women's prize fights took place. This was in in England, and in addition to punching and kicking, women could maul and scratch their opponents. Ooh! So it was more like just like a a cat fight in the ring instead of true boxing.
0: And then female prize fighting happened in 18th and 19th century European fairgrounds and in exhibition halls. But then in the 19th century also, uh, people started clamping down on the sport. They were very uncomfortable with seeing two women in the ring. And for that reason, it was prohibited in many U.S. states and in Europe. And it was officially banned in Britain, for instance, in 1880. But that didn't hold back Barbara Buttrick, a Yorkshire-born fighter <laughs> who um, was one of the, those early renegades.
1: And let's not forget, in 1876, Nell Saunders and Rose Harland got in the ring and duked it out over a silver butter dish, because, you know, what do women need with a cup or a medal? Um, in what is considered the first women's match in the U.S., so they probably maybe inspired Ms. Buttrick.
0: Yeah, because, uh, then in the late 50s, in 1957, to be precise, Barbara became the first female boxing license holder, um, and she was in Dallas, Texas, and she fought the second female boxing license holder phyllis kugler uh for the first women's world championship
1: and i think it's worth pointing out that that barbara was just 98 pounds and four foot eleven
0: Whew. She was a little spitfire. Tiny. Yeah. So then fast forward to 1993, and women's amateur boxing is finally in- integrated into the rules of the U.S. Amateur Boxing Program. And then 1996 is a pretty huge year for women's boxing because of a bout between Christy Martin and Deirdre Gogarty. Uh, and Christy Martin won, and she became the face of women's boxing and actually made it onto the cover of Sports Illustrated, The thus marking the birth of modern professional women's boxing in the U.S. But the funny thing is, if you go back and read that Sports Illustrated story interviewing Martin, she could not give a hoot about women's boxing. She liked boxing, But (laughs) women. No, no, no. She says, I'm not out to make a statement about women in boxing or even women in sports. Uh, I'm not trying to put women in the forefront. And I don't even think this fascination with women in the ring has much to do with that. This is about Christy Martin. Oh, well, hmm. I mean, yeah. Quite a, quite a fighting spirit there. Um, but the whole profile of her just hammers home this thing of, oh yeah, she's, she's a boxer. So in that way, in the ring, she's, you know, knocking out all these stereotypes. But at home, she's married to her coach and she really likes to cook him dinner. For instance, include this quote from her saying, if my house is on fire, I want Mike Tyson carrying me out, not Christy Martin. Huh. So. Well, so a big first for <laughs> professional women's boxing, but, uh, Christy Martin could care less. And then in 1999, we have the first European Cup for Women's Boxing and the first World Championship for Women is held not too long ago, just in 2001.
1: Yeah, and speaking of 1999, there was this New York Times article talking about how the trend in women's boxing wasn't so much that all these women were coming coming out of the woodwork to compete and go pro, it's that they were all coming to gyms to get in shape. Right. But through this whole exercise trend, actually, a lot of the women who went into exercise came out
0: champions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in that same New York Times article. Well, they interviewed one of the coaches who pointed out some gender differences among some boxers. Uh, he told The Times that women are easier to train than men because they are more relaxed and not as macho. But then he goes on to point out how women boxers do have more fragile psyches. <laughs> Quote, you can't scream at them like you would with a man, even though sometimes I really want to.
1: Oh, those troublemaking women. Um, one of the women who went into a gym, this was, I believe, in in uh, New York, Long Island, maybe, it was Kathy Collins, who is originally from Georgia. She dropped 101 pounds in the course of her very strict exercise regimen, and then turned pro. She won the first women's pro boxing match ever held in Madison Square Garden, and her fights have been on pay per view and ESPN and USA networks. And she she loves the sport, and she said that it really gives you a sense of strength and a greater
0: sense of self. But here's here's the, the the latest controversy that has come up because we'll get back to the Olympic stuff in a second. But November 2011, we've just been we've been slowly but surely making these strides, getting more women in the ring, toughening up, going into those those all male gyms, not giving a hoot. No hoots given. No hoots given. And then in November of last year, the Amateur International Boxing Association has this brilliant idea that female boxers should put on skirts why not?
1: They're women, right? They should yeah. be wearing skirts. Maybe they should be barefoot in the ring, too.
0: Well, uh, their argument was, how else are you going to be able to tell if, you're ter- if you flip on a, on a boxing match? How else can you tell if it's a woman up there? But uh, a question that, that
1: I had when I first... I said it out loud, why? I said it out loud when I read this. And actually, a bunch of people commenting on the articles about this topic said the same thing. Why is it so important to distinguish female boxers from male boxers when you're watching it on TV or whether, you know, even if you're a spectator in the arena, is it not just about the boxing? And so all these issues come up about discomfort with the lack of gender division or obvious gender division, um, discomfort with women entering a traditionally male-dominated sport.
0: Following this this announcement, the skirt fiasco um the they held the european championships in rotterdam and only two nations poland and romania decided to uh, have their boxers wear the skirts in the ring um and the polish coach told the bbc by wearing skirts in my opinion it gives a good impression a womanly impression wearing shorts is not a good way for women boxers to dress <laughs> So much ridiculous there in that statement. <laughs> right. And then, um, on the heels of all of these complaints, not only from female boxers who are like, what? I'm not going to wear a miniskirt and also outrage from the public. The president of the Amateur International Boxing Associ- Association said, after we hear about its comfort and how easy it is to compete in the uniform, it may be compulsory. So he's, he's trying to argue that skirts are just an easy breezy <sighs> kind of thing that you can just toss on and go, just hop into the ring no need for sure (laughs) you sound like a makeup ad (laughs) um
1: yeah well an aba or excuse me aiba spokesman recently came out and said that oh well we never we never intended to make them mandatory after the president had said that they could become compulsory depending on people's reactions to them and on february 13th of this year boxer tyresha douglas was quoted by sports illustrated as saying we're women And women should be wearing a woman's uniform. I mean, women can wear shorts, but it's boxing. We need to look more feminine. Under the headgear, you don't know if it's a man or a woman if we don't have boobs. We're women, and we need to let people know we're women because you can't tell.
0: But not surprisingly, Tyresha was... Very much in the minority. There have not only been some amateur boxers who have headed up a change.org petition to get the Amateur International Boxing Association to abandon this skirt plan. Um, others have just spoken out in the press against it because this decision, um, has followed quickly on the heels of the, uh, the trials for the Olympics. So there's been all of this focus on women's boxing lately. And the skirt issue keeps coming up. And so far, Tyresha Douglas is the only person I've heard who is really outright in favor.
1: I found, uh, well, world champion fighter, Mary Com. She's uh, from India. She compared female fighters to female competitors in sports like tennis who mm-hmm. wear gender specific uniforms. But I mean, I think it's stupid in tennis. Yeah. Why? I mean, why should a female athlete have to wear a skirt? Why can't she just wear what is comfortable or what her coach wants her to wear, you know?
0: Right. What does it, it matter? It just seems with something like boxing, too, skirts just don't. It's clearly a thing to f- feminize these athletes, mm-hmm. and it's not It's not that necessary. For instance, Jera Hodge over at Gender Focus put it very well when she said, um, the attitude is clearly persisting today, this idea of um, a team of Foxes, not oxes, which was a quote from the 1960 U.S. women's track coach. Um, and they, she says that it's clearly persisting today as many female professional athletes report feeling pressured to act and look feminine outside of sport in order to compensate for their masculine strength. And what better segue then into the gender dynamics of boxing? Because according to some sports scholars, Boxing is the ultimate egalitarian sport, if you're a guy. <laughs> because once you get up in the ring, it doesn't matter. Your class, your race, well, your weight and size, obviously, will, will play a role. But once you're in the ring, it all, all of that goes away, and you have one opponent and one mission, and that is to take him down. But when you toss a woman in there, everything goes topsy-turvy. Right. Um
1: some researchers went to an Australian boxing gym and talked to talked to a bunch of people but really focused on interviews with three men and three women at this gym. And this was a, a study in qualitative sociology from fall 2004 called Suffragettes in Satin Shorts: Gender and Competitive Boxing. And it was interesting, they pointed out that competitive boxing can be studied productively as a paradoxical gender regime that simultaneously enables and constrains how women, quote unquote, do gender.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, There was one scholar that they quoted um, as saying, raw aggression is thought to be the province of men as nurturing is the peculiar province of women. The female boxer violates the stereotype and cannot be taken seriously. She is parody. She is cartoon. She is monstrous.
1: Yeah, one guy the researcher talked to said, boxing isn't a female sport. Women are feminine. It's in the society. It's probably not right. They've got breasts that are going to get whacked.
0: Although, uh, they have done research on whether or not female boxing endangers our breasts, uh, specifically whether or not it could, um, uh, cause breast cancer down the road. No risk. Your breasts are safe. Yeah, boxing is pretty, it's a pretty safe sport. But the very fact that that safety issue is one of the first things that people bring up when they talk about women's boxing as opposed to men's boxing which we have you know just accepted as yes a little bit more more violent and aggressive sport but it's not I mean it's not something that is on the forefront of our minds it seems like and that's one of the reasons why these uh this gender issue with boxing is is really fascinating because people are so uncomfortable with the idea of women punching at each other.
1: Right. And some of the guys in the gym that these researchers went to were just, they, they were, they were totally uncomfortable with women who came into the gym on a regular basis. It's one thing if maybe you bring your, your steady girlfriend or your wife in there, somebody who's not going to try to distract you with her, her feminine wiles. But yeah, for the most part, women in these boxing gyms were considered to be distracting
0: or weakening to men. Well, and I think that this is um, one of the reasons why This Olympic women's boxing landmark is is such a good thing, not just because it's opening up that final sport to women, but because a lot of the coverage that I've seen of the the boxing trials, which are now over, has been really positive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really painting these these women as athletes is really strong and diverse and compelling not terrifying and monstrous and parodies of mm-hmm. themselves.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're just strong athletes. Well, s- with that said, should we look at who the winners of the boxing trials are? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Starting off with Marlon Esparza, she's the flyweight. She actually had to gain six pounds to fit into to fit her small frame into the really strict weight classes that the Olympic committee approved. So they only approved weight uh three weight class divisions for 112 pounds, 132, and 165, which has actually caused a lot of concern uh about women either gaining too much, losing too much, or dropping out. Uh Esparza, like I said, gained six pounds and she postponed college because she had her sights set on the Olympics. And Coincidentally, her last bout happened to be against Tyresha Douglas,
0: oh, who we mentioned earlier. Who was pro skirts.
1: Pro skirt. Hmm. Just, just throwing that out there.
0: Well, in the lightweight division, we have Queen Underwood, who was a favorite going into the trials. And then there's also Clarissa Shields, who is the middleweight Caroline, Clarissa Shields is 16 years old. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: she's a high school junior from Flint, Michigan who started boxing at the age of 11 to make her imprisoned
0: father proud. Yeah, there is a really touching NPR story about, um, about Shields and her, her boxing journey. Mm-hmm. If you want to give it a lesson. Um, but the thing is, the journey does not stop for these three women, even though they, they made it through the trials. They now have to go on to the world championships in China where they have to finish in the top 8 of their weight category in order to qualify for the full Olympic event in London so three w- women to pull for and you pointed out that they you know the IOC boiled it down to the the three weight classes mm-hmm. for men's boxing they've got 10 yeah 10 uh and coach Christy Halbert said that about
1: 3000 women register as amateur boxers in the US in 10 weight classes And she said that keeps the sport safe and to make it fair to celebrate the diversity of the human body. And so the Amateur International Boxing Association is actually lobbying the IOC to get more women into the 2016 Olympics.
0: There's also one quote from Queen Underwood's coach, Bashir Abdullah, that I wanted to point out because it fits so nicely in our conversation about gender and boxing. Um, because initially he was very uncomfortable with the idea of coaching a female boxer, which kind of reminds me of Clint Eastwood and Million Dollar Baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he said, I didn't want to see women in this sport, which was based on his religious beliefs, but he also wanted to keep his job as a boxing coach with the U.S. Army. So he adapted when the Army's world-class athlete program accepted women, and he was very glad that he did. And he told NPR, there are great athletes in this women's sport. They are more focused, they're coachable, they're more determined, and they're more disciplined than right. male boxers.
1: Right, which echoes what trainer Tom Malloy said that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. that women are better at learning how to box, I guess.
0: Although Malloy did follow it up with how we might cry if you, yeah. if you yelled at us too hard. We're
1: fragile. Mm-hmm. We're fragile, fragile people. Well, somebody else talking about uh, Queen Underwood that I like this quote. U.S. boxing coach Z- Joe Zanders was talking about her and said, Queen can hurt you. Queen is a killer. She has a nice doll-like smile, but you can't take that seriously because she has some dog in her and she will get after you. It's
0: great. Embodying you know both ends of those uh that that gender dichotomy yeah. that everybody harps on so often mm-hmm. you know queen underwood man she's knocking them out <laughs> and speaking of knockouts mm-hmm. we have talked about you know the violence associated with boxing But the IABA, the same association that wants to put these women in skirts, according to 15 years of data, they have shown that women's Olympic style boxing is safer than men's. And compared to other sports, women's boxing is incredibly
1: safe. Yeah, and it has a very low rate of concussions and hand injuries and pretty much no
0: rate at all of lower extremity uh, injury, and uh, not to mention that the female athlete has a more flexible neck, less shoulder and neck musculature, and less upper body strength than the male athlete, which means she might not pack as hard of a punch, but she might take one a little bit better than the dudes um, and just to hammer home the point of the safety of women's boxing, according to a study from Australia, it is much safer than pony riding. <laughs> Polo, touch football, even cricket and soccer. Okay, well, there you
1: go. Yeah. But um, that study by the AIBA actually pointed out that you know, and what we already know this, that boxing is an excellent workout. That's why all those people are going to boxing gyms to try to get fit. For the average 140 pound woman, it burns nearly 800 calories per hour compared with riding a stationary bike at 650 calories per hour and jogging at nine hundred. But women are protected. They wear a leather groin protector. They wear hard plastic cups inserted into a sports bra. And they wear, depending on the weight, they either wear eight ounce gloves for women up to 140 pounds or ten ounce gloves for the heavier women. And of course amateurs wear headgear too. So they're in a safe sport, they're getting fit and they're they're protecting themselves at the same time.
0: But the one big restriction, women out there who are thinking about boxing, if you are pregnant <laughs> oh. you are not allowed to box. Although there was a pregnant curler in the last Olympics. But I guess, you know, curling is a pretty low-intensity sport. Yeah,
1: low-contact
0: sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember seeing there was, it was like a big, splashy headline, like, Pregnant Olympian! Oh, she's curling. Nothing against curlers out there. Or pregnant women. Or pregnant curlers. <laughs> right. We but, like all of these people. But pregnant boxers, No, that is just a risk that should not be taken. Right. <laughs>
1: And now that we're four years in the future, we're, we're in 2016. Um, I don't know. I, I, how do you feel about pregnant women boxing four years down the road?
0: I still, I, I stand by what we said, um, that, that pregnant women boxing probably isn't a smart idea. Although we have so many active listeners who do all sorts of incredible things, Yeah. um, and if there's anyone listening who has been pregnant in box or knows of a pregnant boxer or knows that it's, like, fine to box while pregnant, would love to hear from you. Yeah, this is something we don't know. Yeah, it just seems like it wouldn't be a good idea. You know, you avoid sushi, soft cheeses, and boxing rings. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you do when you're pregnant, right? I think so. Obviously, I've never been pregnant.
1: Maybe if they just hit you in the face.
0: Yeah, it's like, uh, eyes up here. <laughs> Mister, eyes and gloves. Yeah, up here. You have like a really big. You have to wear one of those. Um, you know those big puffy, bouncy suits, but just around like your belly.
1: Or you can just just you just wear an inner tube.
0: There you go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, and and I wish I could go back and tell you and me of 2012 Mm -hmm. that Clarissa won the gold and that she's back. She's. Back in action. But
1: it's almost like we're traveling back in time to tell our listeners that.
0: Yes, this is true.
1: Sort of. Something like that. I don't know how time works. <laughs> I hear it's a circle, a flat circle. It right? is it is a flat didn't, circle. Didn't
0: Matthew McConaughey teach that to us all? I, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I learned. So are you gonna be watching women's boxing?
1: This year? Yes, and the gymnastics with the ribbon.
0: Oh, yes. Rhythmic and
1: gymnastics. And I'll think of you. Ribbon Ribbon is a dancer. I like that's going to be my version of that song. And that's what I'm going to sing as I'm watching the rhythmic gymnastics.
0: Please Facebook live that. Oh, yeah. When it happens. <laughs> uh Listeners, now we want to hear from you. Are you a fan of boxing? What do you think about the women's Olympic boxing that's been happening and the whole issue of them turning pro and just generally, are you excited about watching ladies in the Olympics? Heck yeah. Momstuff at howstuffworks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at MomstuffPodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you, and we come right back from a quick break.
1: Your to-do list can seem totally out of control some days. So much to do and so little time. But there's one thing that you can totally scratch off that to-do list, and that is going to the post office, thanks to Stamps.com. They let you buy and print official U.S. postage right from your own computer and printer, and they'll send you a digital scale that automatically calculates the exact postage you need for any letter or package and any class of mail.
0: And right now, you can sign up for Stamps.com and use our promo code STUFF for a special offer. It's a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer that includes postage and a digital scale. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in STUFF. That's Stamps.com. Enter STUFF. And now, back to the show.
1: Well, I have a semi-related letter from Kendall. Uh, she was responding to our Girls Who Lift episode from a ways back. Uh, she says, thank you so, so much for calling attention to this issue. I started lifting about two years ago, and it's been one of the best things I've done for my body. I've always been a small girl with a petite frame, so I was worried about bulking up and putting on a lot of size. And yes, ladies who have that fear, you might see that number of on the scale fluctuate up and down. But that's because muscles really do weigh more than fat. I did put on a little muscle bulk. I had to go up a size in pants. But I love my muscles and how crazy strong I am. For example, my boyfriend who also lifts and I have been through a few moves and we didn't need to hire a crew or even ask friends to help. We did it ourselves. Jeez, Kendall, I should have called you when I moved a couple weeks ago. My energy level is outrageous. It's helped with my insomnia, posture, and overall confidence. Jeez, that sounds awesome. Uh, Okay, she goes on to say, There is still a great amount of misconception about lifting. Even my doctor made a comment that my weight was going up over the last few years, and that was after we discussed what I do for exercise. I reminded her that I lift weights, but she didn't back down from her comment, and I'm ashamed to admit I had a moment of not feeling so great about myself. But I also have days when someone tells me how muscular I look and I feel like a superhero. The biggest problem I've had with lifting is the attitude I get from dudes at the gym. It takes some confidence to walk up to the weights, especially if you're being stared at. But worse than that is a bunch of dudes hogging the weight area. I can't tell you how many times some guy has stolen the bench I'm standing near before I can use it, because surely a girl wouldn't be using that. It's infuriating. So I want to encourage all the lifting or soon-to-be lifting ladies out there to claim what's yours. She put that in italics. Don't let a bro dude bully you around because he thinks chicks don't lift. If someone takes something you're using, say something. And if they're hogging a rack or a bench, ask them if they're done because you want to use it. And no, you don't need their help.
0: All right, Kendall, thanks for the advice. Well, I've got a letter here from Carolyn about our women tattoos two-parter, specifically correcting us on our misrepresentation of Kat Von D. And I will say we've gotten a a couple of uh, letters about this. So Carolyn helpfully informs us that while, yes, Kat has gained a lot of popularity from her shows, but she is not just a pretty face on TV. Kat is widely regarded as one of the most skilled tattooists in the business and is known for her extremely realistic portraits for which many consider her the best in that field. Along with this, Kat opened up one of the most successful tattoo shops in the country, High Voltage Tattoo, which always has a long waiting list of clients, and she often brings in artists from around the world to do month-long work periods in order to expose the local community to the great tattooists around the world. She's also used her fame for numerous social justice campaigns, most notably her fight for animal rights. There are few, if any, female tattooists who have reached this level of success and recognition, and I'm really disappointed that you didn't give her the credit that she deserves for becoming a leading lady in a male-dominated field. And she goes on to say, in response to your request for lady tattooist suggestions for a bird tattoo, not sure what specific style you're going for, but definitely keep cat in mind if you want a realistic tattoo in black and white. Apparently, she's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet and has done interviews while giving tattoos. What a great podcast that would make. Oh, Carolyn, I absolutely agree. And we stand corrected. On Kat Von D, although I do think we mentioned that she is super talented. Um, but yeah, we were, we were by no means were experts on Kat Von D. So thank you to Carolyn and other listeners who have filled us in on what a rad lady she is. And if you've got rad ladies to tell us about or just thoughts you want to send our way, momstuff at howstuffworks.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media, as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts with our sources, so you can learn more about women's boxing, head on over to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.